And we're live. We're live. With I want to know. 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 I uh, had a phenomenal weekend this weekend, hanging out with uh, my son in a very rustic campsite in uh, central Alberta. Um, there was uh, wild rams up there, deers, um, crows that I think were half the size of my dog. There's Ho- some big ones up there, eh? They they must be eating squirrels. Dogs. And- <laughs> they good. Your dog. They were huge. They were like... Horror movie huge. That's that's the size of them. Every time one flew above our campsite, I would look at it and just like, that thing is jacking everything. Yeah, I've been out, out around there too. And I've literally, uh, I've, I've seen some have been like, oh, look at the hawk over there. Look at the eagle. Oh, that's a crow. <laughs> I know. It was way across a valley. And the, the, the ground out there is black. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but it's kind of like a shale and like this black Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, so there's this little, you know, it goes from black to like this brownie gray stuff and then back to black again. So all of a sudden the bird comes out of the, like the black background into the gray. And I'm like, holy Dinah, like it was huge. And then it disappears again right away. So at first I thought it was a hawk. And then it circled back around and came over to us. And I was like, that's a freaking crow. That's crazy. Yeah. Nuts, nuts. So uh, what do you want to talk about today? Well, I was thinking today would be... Uh, a really great topic would be to talk about goals, nice. um, particularly not just what our goals are, but how we how we set goals and how we view what goals are compared to what maybe other things are. Hmm. All right. Strategies. Yes. Um, so yeah, I was. Uh, I guess just to start off here, we'll kind of see where what kind of legs we can get out of this. I would like to propose uh, we discuss the difference between a goal, a direction. And a wish. Ooh, a goal, the direction, and a wish. Yeah. Um, goal, direction. So you kind of alluded to this uh, earlier today, and I had some thoughts behind uh, goals. So I grew up without uh, having a family that were goal-setting families, and they never taught us how to set goals. So I didn't learn to do it till like very late, like probably ten years ago at best. And I wasn't even good at it ten years ago. It's only been really the last probably. I don't know, three to five years that, uh, you know, I've been writing things down and going after them and coming up with a plan, like kind of all the, the general goal setting rules are out there. Um, and what I found for me, uh, the writing it down is super important. And then looking at that every once in a while. So I actually developed a, a goal book. Um, and I think I even put goals and wishes on the book. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, uh, some of them are super, super important, and I think those would be considered the goals, like that that I'm going after that and I'm getting it no matter what. And the wishes are kind of like, oh, that'd be really cool to have, but it's not high on my priority list. Um, what was the third? And direction. Direction. Direction, yeah. So anyways, I started that book. I don't know where to go with direction, but the, the wishes are kind of coming true every so often. Like I, I just have little things that I want to do, and then someone will call. They're almost like... Like karma, just like if I do things good, all of a sudden the wishes just kind of come. Luck, really, right? Yeah, luck's another way of putting it. That you know, uh, I 
couple years ago, I wanted to do martial arts more often, and the, the church presented an opportunity for me to, to do that. And so we uh, had a group of people. We all trained together, had fun, worked on self-defense and drills and stuff like that. And, you know, that's one of my wishes. It wasn't like a hardcore goal because I think goals have to have some kind of reward, like a financial reward or an intellectual reward. Something like that, where you're 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 getting ahead, where wishes maybe are just like, oh, that'd be totally fun to do, and then you know, so I got the the submit self defense up and running, and trained with a bunch of people, made a bunch of friends. It was awesome, and then my goals are something that you know you kind of set weekly, maybe quarterly, and then yearly, and then kind of long term goals is how I broke them out. Okay, cool. Um, so. <clears throat> definitely not, definitely not in a disagreement with that. I think uh, perspective is how I, I kind of view them a little differently. Um, now, I grew up, some background on myself, I grew up without goals as a realistic option. It was things you're supposed to do yeah. with absolutely no understanding or support of how you're supposed to make that happen. And more than likely, you weren't going to do it, so just don't even try. Yeah. <clears throat> as a result, you kind of, I've always wandered through life just taking whatever advantages came, my opportunities came my way. I've always believed that try and have as many skills as possible so that when those options come, you're able to take advantage of them. That's hardly, that's not really a goal. So recently I've been thinking about goals. It was proposed to me that you should have a goal. And I've always said, well, I don't, but I don't want to do those things. But I realized that I had defined what goals were, were under a certain group of things. Like your goal should be financial success. Your goal should be just to do things that I really don't consider priorities in my life. And it then occurred to me, goals can be things that I actually want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be what everyone else sees as goals. It can be right. my personal things that I want to achieve. And so in thinking of that, I had to start breaking down what what kind of things I've, I've tried to do in my life, what things I do want to try to accomplish, and then look at them realistically. And for me, that was a breaking down to the three aspects of having a goal, of having a direction, and having a wish. Now, first and foremost, a goal to me is something that you actually have a plan on how you're going to achieve. It's a realistic thing. It's saying, I want to do blank in this certain time frame. Um, I actually, I made a little list here of uh, the things that I think are important in, in making a goal. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think you, Kate, you just said something really important there that I don't want to just cruise past that you said a timeline. So um, one of the goals that I set growing up was work. Like when I get to work, I can do this amount of productivity. I was in construction, I worked piecework, so I had those small daily goals. But if I didn't make it, it wasn't the end of the world. And I think with time, what we think is realistic in time may not be as realistic because a lot of the goals that we set, we really don't know how to get there. We're working on figuring out how to get there. At least for me, that's what it was, right? I didn't take university or college, and so financial goals were very difficult. Uh, made lots of money, but didn't know how to manage it, that kind of thing. But now that I've written down goals, I'm actually, even though in my mind I have a timeline on them, but I'm not setting them like, well, if I don't make it by this time, I'm going to quit. Like, the time, I think, is important, but it can't be your deciding factor. Well, it's interesting because that kind of, that, that definitely blurs the lines for me between goals and directions, I think. Okay. And that's, that, that I came to that conclusion based on kind of, I think, the same thinking pattern that you have right there. Um, so essentially, for a goal, I have this list of things that I think that you have to have. And if you don't have any of these factors, then we have to start looking at maybe this is a direction that you're going at in life, which is, or else maybe it's just a wish. 
Um, and I'll break those down to you. So for, first of all, for this to for have a goal, we have to have that timeline. We have to have a date that by this date, this needs to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we need to set micro goals within that timeline so that we can stay on track so that we're not just that last night before the test <laughs> trying to cram everything. Yeah. Uh, we need to determine what kind of resources we have at our disposal to accomplish this goal because if we don't have the resources, we need to start looking at those resources as micro goals of accomplishing them. That, those are things like the community, the people that you surround yourself with. Right. You're not going to be successful if you're surrounded by people that fail. Right. Um, you're going to require what kind of expenses is this going to cost financial, time, yep. psychological, all kinds of things. Um, you're going to have to consider what kind of skill sets you might need to accomplish this. Um, and those are kind of the ones that I see within the, the resources you need. And then an, a big, big one here is you need to identify the hurdles that you might address with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I definitely, there's a, there's a, there's a, a psychology aspect to this where I know there's going to be days where I don't function properly and I need to figure out how I'm going to address that when it comes up yeah. and to figure that out now yeah. when I'm motivated to do this, not in the middle of a, a slump when I just don't want to get out of bed. The next big thing is take baby steps. We're not going to accomplish this goal overnight. So don't look at failures or setbacks or small progresses as a bad thing. Look at it as progress. Always look back at how far you've come, not how far you have to go. Yeah. And then for the final one is only compete with yourself. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and so that to me, that's what a goal is. Now, a direction is when we start eliminating some of these factors. A direction means we don't have a, we, we don't, there's no end date to this. Yeah. We're going to say, I want to accomplish this goal. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to start moving in that direction. Yeah. And then a wish is something that I have no idea how I'm going to accomplish this goal. Yeah. It's just something I'd really like to happen. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of keep it on with a back burner that this would be really great. Maybe I'll develop some skill sets that'll help me if this opportunity ever comes up. But I'm really not working towards it. I really don't know how it's going to happen. Um, I'm not being very realistic. So yeah. for me, that's kind of how I've broken down the different things. Very cool. Um, yeah, and I, we got a, definitely a few places we can go from there too. Yeah, you were talking about um, failures and setbacks, and uh, I'm working with my mom right now. His health isn't very good. I think I've talked to you about it before, and so we've we've helped her as best as we can. Kind of said like, this is what you need to do, and this is how you talk to a doctor, and the kind of questions you need to ask, and all that. And so she's going on an anti-candida diet. And I don't know if anyone knows what. Oh, I haven't heard that. What's, what's that? So an anti-candida diet. Candida. <laughs> it'd be better if my wife was here to explain this. I'm sure because she's. Uh, she knows a lot more. But basically, Part of the charm is us stumbling through things we don't understand, though. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, if you live a life uh, eating a horrible diet, lots of processed foods, lots of sugars, pop, chocolate bars, all that kind of stuff, you build up a bacteria, bacteria in your body and that's called candida. It's like a fungus that grows. And it's the, the fungus that tells your brain or the bacteria that tells your brain, go get more of that junk, right? So we know that part of our digestive system, those bacteria have some control over our brain or they believe they do. And so when you have super, super high levels of candida um, in your uh, body, there's all kinds of issues, thyroid issues, depression, anxiety, uh, weight gain, and it's like that that center mass weight gain, like the, the belly fat that doesn't go away. Um, my mom, probably about a year and a half ago, just made a decision, I'm just going to eat well. And she did really good. Like she added a bunch of nutrients, got rid of a bunch of the processed foods. And, uh, but it wasn't enough. She was still having her chocolate bars and her pop and her little, uh, snacks to desserts and stuff like that. And then we realized that that's what was going on. So we said, listen, we've got a bunch of supplements that, uh, that we'll buy for you. that will really help you get past this, 
but it'll mean nothing. It'll all be garbage if you don't go on a zero sugar diet. And so we really uh, talked at length about what the anti-candida diet is, what has sugar in it. Like she thought it was okay to have bread. I'm like, well, bread's mostly sugar and whatever's not sugar turns into sugar in your body. And so we explained all this stuff to her and I says, when you go like four or five days without uh, sugar, then uh, we'll put you on these supplements and this will just help kind of boost you and go along. And it's, you know, basic stuff, berberine and uh, garlic. And uh, there was a couple of herbs in there. I think there was uh, there was t- uh, a flower and, and, and then an oil at some point. But anyways, um, so I phoned her. She's like, oh, well, you know what? I had a piece of bread and um, I had a peanut butter sandwich one day. And, and she she's doing awesome, but she had a couple of setbacks. And uh, so she was feeling bad, guilty. She's like, I didn't even want to tell you. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. People are going to have setbacks. Like this can't be uh, 65 years of eating sugar and then go cold turkey and quit. We get there's going to be some setbacks. You know, one of the funny things about setting goals is success through failure. Um, when you set all these goals in your life and you hold yourself to the standard of obtaining them, even when you fail, you've succeeded because failure walking down the road to betterment is still better than failing. Well, it's still better than not trying, Exactly, yeah. I got my mom, actually, recently, uh, about a year ago, uh, to try a ketogenic diet, and she just has no willpower whatsoever. She loves crap, like probably your mom does. But she's making the effort in her world, and she's lost a bunch of weight. She's off, like, medications now. Um, But with that said, she's she's a horrible keto dieter. But it's a hard diet to be on. But when when you take a step back, and I just told her, I'm like, you know, I don't on, you know, let's be honest here. You're probably not going to like pull this off, so just don't do the high fat. Uh, cut out carbs as much as you can, and don't do high fat. Right. And I think you know you'll probably be fine. So as a result, she's really she hasn't gone to high fat. She just cut a lot of the bad sugars out of her life. Yeah. So failing for her at keto means she's been able to cut 75% of the sugars and junk food out of her life. How awesome is that? Yeah. Is that a failure? Well, it's a failure at keto, but that's a huge success in life. And that's the thing about setting goals is even when you fail, you've bettered yourself by trying. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Like to watch my mom change from the person she was to the person she is that even though she has these setbacks she she doesn't completely understand and she's trying as hard as she can that's a win like because she just wasn't even a trier before oh absolutely just telling yourself that you can succeed at things is a huge deal for a lot of people i know for me it was i've spent most of my life not trying to do anything yeah and uh it's kind of like physical fitness i was thinking the other day if you want to get athletic and you want to do like that type of thing in your life it is a massive hurdle to get over initially because first of all just to to participate in some of the stuff we do you need to be relatively in decent shape you can't just like be 400 pounds and get off the couch and start training in the fun stuff you need to get in shape first right um physically that's a massive hurdle because getting to be relatively in shape is a much bigger deal than it is to go from being in shape to being athletic right that's a small step when you think about it Switching sports, even like uh, the other day, I, I was kickboxing, um, which I do fairly regularly. I wouldn't say I'm a pro by any means, but you know, I'm certainly fairly confident in my ability to, to do at least uh, your your intermediate class. And had a had a fellow come in that I was paired with, who's a bodybuilder, really great shape, young guy, who literally couldn't last the warm up. And I was talking with him, I'm like, you know, it's not a big deal. You just got to understand that there's different activities that your body has to adjust to. You're you're used to lifting weights, and that's totally cool. That's athletic. And that's going to do you a lot of good. Yeah. You're not used to fighting, though. 
So get used to fighting and you'll probably find that that's a really small jump for you to make because you've already had that athletic basis to go off of. Right. But when you look at someone who has to like psychologically change how they function as a human being and go from sedentary to athletic and then actually do it, yeah. that's a huge jump to make. It's, it's gigantic. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, it's funny you're talking about bodybuilders. But, sorry, just, just yeah, finish it. When you, when, when you do something like that, doing all kinds of other things become, become an option too. Going from a minimum wage job to a successful income becomes an option all of a sudden. Yeah. Being uneducated to becoming educated becomes an option now. Right. You just got to do that one accomplishment that was impossible. And yeah. then all of a sudden, your standard of what's possible changes. Yeah. Every time we talk, it takes me in seven different directions. You're talking about education. And growing up, my household kept me very distracted from education. And so I never really had set goals for, oh, I want to get A's or I want to do this. Some courses came easy. Some were really hard. Some I just quit. Um, but as an adult, the opportunity to educate yourself is so simple. Um, in, not as an adult, in this time and age, I should say. So me as an adult is now in this age of podcasting and internet and uh, I've started setting goals to listen to a certain amount of podcasts every week about stuff that I really enjoy and like. So um, JRE, which we we both listen to, um, I think pretty much all of them, amazing, amazing place to educate yourself. I mean, there's episodes where you're you're listening to dick and fart jokes and a bunch of drunk guys, not my <laughs> but favorites. But how awesome would university be if it was full of dick and fart jokes while they're discussing physics? Right? I think I'd probably be a physicist if that was the case. Yeah, or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Yeah, it's uh, to me, listening to those guys on there, and it's so funny because there's something about that entertainment value that uh, makes it so much easier. So a lot of the people that come on JRE have their own podcasts, and I have a difficult time listening to them on their own show. But when I'm on JRE... You need that filter. I need uh, I need yeah, that absolutely. filter, that dick joke once in a while <laughs> to make it palatable, I guess. And maybe I'm just childish and my my, my brain's not up to speed. Well, you know what yet. I think it comes down to is they'll pick a general topic that's full of things. That, like you're interested in the topic itself. You're interested in a lot of the points that come with it. But there's going to be things that you need to know that you're just not that interested in paying attention to. And yeah. having that humor and having that simpleton filter, yeah. I think that's what gets you through those points, which I think is really important. Yeah, I think there's there's really good teachers out there that can that can do that, but I think they're few and far between. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I guess it's not that surprising we mentioned a podcast on a podcast, but recently one of my goals is to actually read ten books this year, oh, wow. which doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, but for me, um, when I look back at how many books I've read over the past, I'd say like two years, if I factor out audio books and factor out. Um, not necessarily, how would I call them? Like uh, books that aren't, they're not really like actual novel read, but well, not novels, but uh, more literary type books, like books that aren't just like diagrams on how to do technical things. Yeah, yeah. I think I've read a handful. Like most yeah. of my, <laughs> most of my uh, learning comes from audio sources. 100%. So I'm starting, that's one of my goals. For, I have, uh, so I've decided that I'm going to have, um, Daily goals, which is literally just, you know, make sure you get the groceries done today. Make yeah. sure you clean the house today. Like, here's your list of things you need yeah. to accomplish Brush today. Brush your teeth, get your kid ready oh, yeah. for school, all that stuff. But it's so hard to, or it's so easy to fall into do nothing if you don't have that. So you got your daily. Yeah. Um, I don't really know that I have weekly goals. My weekly goal is usually just to accomplish, like, they're usually more micro goals for bigger goals. So I have my, yeah. my, my daily, my monthly and then seasonal, just because of the nature of my my hobbies are very seasonal based, and then yearly, and then a long term. Yeah, 
And so uh, one of my that, that's that's my year my year goal. One of them is to read ten books. Nice, which isn't a big goal, which is why I said it. It's totally achievable. Yeah. It's less than one a month. It is, and it's not something I'm doing right now. Yeah, so. <laughs> I uh, I don't know what it is. Like growing up, wasn't a great reader. Really didn't like it at all. Well, I'm like I'm like very dyslexic on top of it. So yeah, it's not it's. Reading's a challenge. Yeah, but it's like working out, right? Yeah. Exercise is a challenge, and it's fun. Every time you do it, you're going to get a little bit better at it. It's going to get a little bit easier. Uh, I don't know, maybe not with dyslexia, but in most things, that as long as you're putting the the effort forward, it's going to get a little bit easier yeah. every single time. But it's just doing that consistently. I just started um, Jordan Peterson's new book. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, the Rules Good plug. of Life. Good plug, Chad. 12, uh, 12 Rules of Life to Avoid the Chaos. How or I Met Your like Mother, right? How I Met that's Your Mother, yeah. That's what it's called. <laughs> but uh, again, I, there, I can think of 50 other things I'd rather do than read a book because you have to sit down and you have to like, cut out time in your day but podcasts and audiobooks i can do it while i'm driving i can do it while i'm hiking while i'm biking when i'm at the gym i can get in it's a real attention whore is what it comes down to isn't it like you yeah. can't do any i can't listen to music i no. can't have people talking in the background nope. like nothing can be happening i have to have a quiet room with a comfortable chair to be able to sit and read like yeah. it has to be a good spot every all the moons have to line up and the planets and the stars and then i can sit down oh, yeah. and if, read. i'm at the point now where if i have a cup of coffee sitting next to me <laughs> that yeah. distracts me while i'm reading because i start thinking i'll be reading like i'm doing the actual act of reading yeah but i'm not absorbing it because i'm thinking to myself oh yeah i got that coffee <laughs> yeah i know i'm uh, i'm so i'm just yeah i'm very easily distracted. Maybe I'm <laughs> dyslexic too. I was uh, at the campsite. I took the books. I figured between hikes, we're going to sit. We'll have something to eat and then a little relaxing time. Um, I forgot my good chairs. So we had crappy chairs up at the campsite. Um, sitting at the picnic table, which is not a bad table at all. And I had a bag of Doritos open <laughs> and trying to read. And the crunching in my own head was overpowering the reading. And I'm like, this is stupid. And Doritos won that battle. I prefer the Doritos to uh, reading. So I'll probably have to pick up the audio book and, and have a listen to that. It's funny. I think it, maybe it's just really telling about what I read. I read a lot of authors where it's very much a preaching to the choir. They're not telling me anything new. They're just affirming what I already believe or yeah. else it's things that I already know about. And I'm just reading a specific perspective on it. And as a result, I, I can't help but stop and think I'd much rather stare off into space and let my own <laughs> imagination run wild in my head and theorize about different things because yeah. at least I'm coming to new conclusions and not just... Right. So it can be hard sometimes to find that right book, right? So 10 books in a year is a challenging goal then. It is. For, well, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, but I mean, and that's what goals have to be, right? They have to be challenging for you. Like, you know, someone like, uh, who would I just listen to? Uh, anyways, he was saying he was reading a book a day at 12 years old and like science books, uh, physics books, like super, super challenging books. He was reading a book a day like that takes time. And as a, I think this guy, I have to look it up because I just listened to him, but he, uh, he got into, I think college at 13 or 14, graduated by the time he was 18, was working in a cancer research center, but he was reading a book a day. Like that's. That's insane to me. I don't read 12 books a year. That's impressive until you break down like what else is going on. Like I, you, there's days where I'll listen to six podcasts in a day and that's, that's a huge amount for a lot of people who listen to maybe one a week. Right. Right. So I guess it's, it depends on what your, what your goals are in life. I don't know. I've, I, I was thinking about that today while I was reading, I'm reading uh, Edward Bernays's uh, propaganda right now 
And I think in the modern world, we're just so aware of the cliches of marketing that nothing in that book is new to me yet. It's yeah. just been like, yeah, you know, cre- create an environment essentially that is going to be um, open to whatever you're selling to it. That's pretty much the book. Yeah. So reading the whole book where it's talking about this, and this book's very old, like it's almost 100 years old at this point. Wow. Probably maybe more like 80, but reading a book that, that has such common things that have been implemented so, implemented so successfully... Sorry. Uh-oh. Technical difficulties. There we go. Um, so it's really hard to stay on track with a book. You're just like, yeah, I know all this. Like, everybody knows all this. Like, I guess it's good that you're pointing it out and breaking it down, but this is nothing new, so why am I reading this? For me, it has to be something new, um, or otherwise I, I get bored with it way too quick. I just can't get into it. The um, Way of Men, there was a bunch of stuff in that that, um, what's his name, the author's name? Oh, um, Donovan Jack. Jack Donovan. Jack Donovan. Jack yeah, Donovan. So. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of it uh, I I knew and agreed with, and so it was a struggle to get through that book. I'd sit down, read for an hour, and I was like, oh. See, I find I find it kind of centers me to some degree to hear someone talk about what I already believe in and know, and put it into a perspective that orders it into my head. Because I, I kind of feel that my brain just kind of floats around, just unattached a lot. And having yeah. that attachment is kind of what I get from a lot of books like that. But yeah, for sure. there's, And I've gotten that from propaganda too. But I was just kind of hoping to get more magical insight into how the yeah. mass manipulation works. And it really, it's not. So in the book, were they talking about like war propaganda? Are they talking <clears throat> about like Nazi propaganda? No, actually, this is kind of where that comes from. Uh, Bernays and another fellow were kind of the guys who started off like the whole movement of propaganda for both uh, marketing and politics and for uh, like war manipulation. Okay. And they're essentially the same thing, right? It's just understanding psychology and preaching or, or giving a speech in a certain way that get people excited about what you want. It's actually, yeah, it's more, it's social engineering is what propaganda comes down to. So it's not so much, uh, it actually, I'm, I'm running the part right now where it, it breaks uh, propaganda down into like how politicians should use it, how businesses should use it. And really like the moral of the story is everyone should use it the same way. Yeah, You shouldn't think that just because you're a politician and you have some degree of a filter on what the public is allowed to know that you shouldn't be using propaganda on how you give that information out. Yeah, And uh, so essentially like propaganda, the way that he suggests you, you use it is you create an environment that wants what you're selling. You don't sell to the environment. Right. So uh, one example he gave was if there was really high tariffs on wool and you're a politician and you're running on the, pol- on the platform of, I want to eliminate tariffs, what you might do is you might get some very wealthy people across the country to stop wearing wool suits and to only wear cotton. Mm. And then to cover the spectrum, you might go to some of the more, uh, the, the groups that deal with people that are homeless and low income and saying, because wool is so high priced right now, people are probably going to die over the next winter because they can't afford proper clothing. And you get, so you're not actually the one who's disseminating information to the public. You're actually allowing the public to do it to themselves yeah. through manipulation. And then you, all you have to do is make yourself available for where they want to come looking for a solution for that. So they feel, yeah. that, they feel that they're looking for you, yeah. whereas actually you've created the initial. So it's kind of like, it's like farming, right? You plant a seed and you harvest the fruit that comes from that. You don't actually become the tree yourself. Correct. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very cool. That, and that's how I think most people do sales. Yeah, and it's no surprise to anybody, right? That's, that's, yeah. When you hear it, you're like, well, yeah, that's obviously how it works. It's interesting to see, like, to read about, like, where it comes from. Because that's, Bernays is kind of famous for being the guy who was a big part in bringing yeah, that to, to reality. So how much of uh, rereading it makes you think about uh, today's media? 
like how much of what is on. You're not a big TV watcher or news no, watcher. Really. Anyways, yeah. I, I actually had this discussion with my mom. She was, when she's learning about candida and what her diet should be and what she was always told that it should be compared to what we know now, um, she was mad. She's like legitimately mad that uh, she had been lied to and or misled anyways. I don't know if they purposely lied. I think they did, but, you know, tell everybody what the food... Uh, pyramid. Food, yeah. food pyramid and stuff like that. And that completely changed who she was as a person listening to that stuff and trying to work hard and be a good mom doing that. And now she sees there's a better way of doing it and then she's been duped. And I'm like, this is why I don't watch TV. I don't find any value on most of the stuff I see on TV. Well, you know, that's an interesting, it's an interesting point. I, th- I, I was actually thinking about that today. Um, well, I shouldn't say today. I, pretty much every time I've read this book, I've been thinking about it. Because uh, a lot of people are, are very much against Edward Bernays and how he's pretty much ruined society by teaching people how to socially engineer a need for something that maybe they don't need or believe in things that aren't actually true. Yeah. Um, but to me, it, it kind of, I, I view it in a different way. It's This is something that's available to us because we're human beings, because of our human nature. Yeah. Somebody is going to figure out a way to manipulate it. Yeah. And as much as he's educating people on how to manipulate us, he's educating us on how not to be manipulated also. Correct. So it's all about how you want, do you want to be the victim or do you want to change that place and be the person in power? Um, propaganda is going to exist. Manipulation is going to exist. Yeah. It's up to you whether you want to be aware of that. And it's like, you'll see like a situation where they're like, well, the president, it wants to go to war because there's an election coming and that'll cause people to, all the, all the things that stem off of that yeah. will cause support, whether it be patriotism or just the, that whole, like we're the biggest, baddest guy in the block mentality. And it's like, well, that is literally what Bernays is talking about in propaganda. A president going to war to get reelected is propaganda based on how he defines it. Yeah. So I think reading a book like this is great. It's what everyone should be educated on and be aware of that this is what's happening right now, not demonizing the guy who came up with the idea because it existed before him yeah. or the opportunity existed before him. It will always exist. At least he's giving you the equal opportunity to understand propaganda as much as the person who's going to use it against you. Correct. It's funny. You brought up uh, or you said, uh, do you want to be the victim or do you want to take this information and, and you know grow yourself, educate yourself? I think a majority of people, based on what I do see on TV and what I uh, see in the population and hear in you know, internet news and stuff like that, they want to be the victim. They 100% want to be um, the one like, oh, woe is me, I got duped, well, I got this, and they don't want to do the work. Like, okay, now you know the truth, don't do it. Like, you know, whatever you're supposed to do, do that. Whatever you're not supposed to do, don't do that. In all fairness, we're looking for the path of least resistance. Most people are, I think. Yeah. And in our world, being the victim means something very different than if you're, like I say, in Africa, like, you know, True. in the worst parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, not that all of Africa is horrible, but, you know, it certainly has those points where if you're the victim, you die. You yeah. die bad. Yeah. Your family probably dies bad, too. Yeah. Here, being the victim means you actually prosper. So <laughs> it's, it's a very different perspective <laughs> on being victimized. Yeah. Um, um, the next book I would really like to read is uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Make Friends and Influence People. I think that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. I don't want to make friends. I don't want to influence people. <laughs> I want to see when those tactics are being used against me, right. which is for the same reason why I'm so fascinated with Edward Bernays. I don't want to go out and manipulate people. I yeah. want to see when I'm being manipulated. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's funny because I, I mentioned earlier with because uh, we were talking about goals. That's where we, we started this, and I want to go back to it. Yeah, absolutely. Last podcast, we talked about um, fears and some of the things we did as dads 
due to fear. Like we, we don't want to be left. So how many of your goals are based on, um, on fears? Like That's really interesting. I've actually got, I, I didn't think about that. So let's, uh, if you're okay, let's go through this and I'll, I'll tell you some of my goals here. Um, so I should say like my, my driving fact factors in life, I think are to be happy. Yeah. Um, fortunately for me, the things that make me happy also, I think make me a better person. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will say that there's a lot of things that are more important than happiness. Personally, I think it's splitting hairs into how you define happiness. I was just writing down, how do you define happiness? Well, because uh, I think it, you can have the goal of happiness, but what does happiness mean to you? Yeah, for me, there's two types of happiness. There's there's happy, there's like happy at the time and happy after the fact. Yeah. And I think that's, I know uh, Peterson's really big, or Peterson, Peterson. Jordan Peterson? Is it? Peterson. 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 Yeah. Okay. I know he's really big on um, happiness is not a real thing. I think he's splitting goals in that. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that will tell you that uh, public service, uh, doing the right thing, hard work and determination, accomplishment, those are the, those are not happiness. Yeah. To me, those are happy after the fact. Yeah. It's like doing a really hard workout that you hate your entire life the whole time you do it and you feel amazing afterwards. That's happy after the 100%. fact. 100%. Um, so that to me, that's kind of where I break it. There's like, I enjoy doing this and then I enjoy the fact that I did it. Um, so yeah, to break that down. So some of the things that I've done, um, I'm doing, so let's see here. I've got, I don't have any weekly goals right now. I'm running my monthly goals. I've got, uh, I'm going to do a keto diet, which is a pretty common thing for me. I've been kind of for the past 10 years trying to figure out the right way to do it. I think I've got it figured out to the point. I've got it figured out and I've got enough of my weaknesses toned down under control. I think I can do it. I'm going to do it for a whole month is my goal. Uh, Currently, you and I have been working towards doing a 70-kilometer bike ride. Uh, I recently did uh, 43 kilometers, which I think is up there, about roughly tied from the longest. And I know I could have gone longer, so that's great. Um, This is kind of embarrassing. I'm trying to get up to 20 push-ups. Hmm. I have, I've got a huge head, a huge upper, <laughs> upper torso, and I've always been able to get away with just doing those like alligator pump push-ups. Yeah. And it occurred to me, you know what? I Time to man up. I need to go. actually learn how to do a real push-up. So yeah. I've been like training. I've got a program process that I want to be able to do 20 actual push-ups and that's whatever. Yeah. Um, that's just a step into 50 and then a hundred and then a hundred a day. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But that's my goal for now, and maybe that'll turn it. Maybe that will become a micro goal into a bigger goal. So I don't know keto. That doesn't do me any good. I'm I've got some body fat I could lose, but I'm doing a lot of athletic things, and I'm perfectly fine. I don't think it's yeah. affecting my health. Seventy uh, k ride. Um, that's really just keeping me on track of being active, of having a reason to do something that maybe I wouldn't do otherwise. Because we're talking about like riding on pavement. We're not. There's nothing fun and exciting about it, but having that goal makes it fun and exciting. Yeah. Um, push-ups, I'm just embarrassed. Yeah. Um, and that'll, not being embarrassed so will don't, keep me doing it, right? Don't be embarrassed about the push-ups because I, uh, I suck at push-ups too. I, I might be able to do 15 right now, good push-ups, yeah. but like that's not my strong suit at all. I know no, guys that are doing 50, 60 in a set, no problem. They'll do that three, four, five times a day. Yeah, and we all have our thing that we're really good at that yeah. other people aren't. Like I can I can probably do 200 full sit-ups while being punched in the stomach as hard as a actual trained fighter can in yeah. between lifts. 
So that's my that's what I can do, but I can't do push-ups. <laughs> um, what else am I doing? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I want to, like, my, my, my seasonal goal is uh, I mountain bike in the summertime. I want to be able to actually properly jump a good gap on my mountain bike nice. and not die. Nice. Um, my annual goal is I'd like to, I'd like to read the 10 books. Yeah. And my long-term goal is I want to find some way to make a minimal uh, livable income, though, off of uh, a remote job. Yeah. I don't want to be stuck somewhere. I want to be able to wander around and pursue my, my, my happiness. Yeah. So with the goals, I think we got to kind of determine, uh, and I'll get into some of mine. I've got them written down, but I think I can remember most of them. Although I should point out, I, so yesterday on the bike ride, we, were, uh, I was, we, we did a, a ride between Canmore and Banff in Alberta here, which is about a 43-kilometer ride both ways. Uh, through the mountains, just as amazing it could be. There's these. Uh, one of my favorite things in nature are uh, fast-running waters in shallow, rocky lakes or yeah. uh, rivers. We rode by, and I was thinking, this would be amazing if I could have a choice of like the perfect house. It would have to have like a rocky, fast-moving, clear river through it. And then I was thinking, one of my other things that I really want to do is to convert a van yeah. into just a really nice, living, portable, like call it a, an RV mini home, kind mini of home thing, and just yeah. travel around, mountain biking, doing martial arts. And then it broke down to me. My goal is to live in a van down by the river. <laughs> it's like a homeless guy. It'd be a perfect life. I and you know, I honestly can't. You know, <laughs> you think about the sketch with Chris Farley, where it's the he's the motivational speaker who lives in a van down by the river. Yeah, literally, that's what I would be doing. I'd be wandering around, podcasting, telling people how they should be living their lives while I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Clay Guida, UFC fighter, uh, 155, I think. Maybe he's 145. Um, he lives in a van down. Well, it's a pretty nice van. I think it's like a tour bus type. Right. Yeah. But still, that's that's a van down by the river. Um, but yeah, the well, let's, let's talk about some of my goals. So probably yeah, two years ago. Oh, I, actually, you know, before we start, yeah. I kind of went over how I define my goals. Is there anything, there's anything different you want to kind of ask to work as a filter as we listen to what your goals are? How do I define my goals? So what's the reason for having it? I think uh, what you said about happiness is is really sums it up. Like what 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 would make my life that much better, that much happier? What are my dreams and passions, and uh, how do I get to do those all the time and not have to, you know, work for somebody else? So essentially, the same as yours. I'm just looking for um, a type of happiness to to end or to live out the rest of my life with. Right. I think a big thing to point out just right here is that what makes me happy is not going to make you happy and vice versa. And that's where I think a lot of people get into arguments about how to do this. And that's just not the point. No. And that's why I was writing down what's the definition of happiness. Because that's an individual thing, right? Like what makes you happy is not necessarily going to make me happy, but it could. Maybe I don't know, right? No. And that shouldn't be the argument. The argument should be whether you're happy or not, not what makes you happy. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, I have a few. I, my long-term living goals, where I want to be, changes. So a couple of years ago, it was living in a bus touring North America uh, with my wife. And, you know, kids are off at school or got their own lives going on. And then we're just going to travel around. That I've kind of leaned a little bit away from. But my job right now, I do about 250, 300 kilometers a day driving around. Like, I don't know that I want to do this for the rest of my life. So that's changed a little bit. I think my long-term goal is to end up in, uh, right now it's Belize. It doesn't have to be Belize, but it has to be someplace with a warm, comfortable climate. I don't want it to be scorching hot, but I also don't want to deal with winters anymore. <laughs> and I know that sounds like a, uh, 
a crazy thing to set your goals off of, but I don't like winter. I don't know. I was born and raised in Canada, um, lived in Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC, and uh, BC was the closest place to where I loved winters, even though it rained the whole time, um, most of the time. Um, I think I, I could be pretty happy living somewhere that only had spring and fall. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I Belize is one of those places. And I've got a few friends with properties down there. And it seems like a really, really good place to live. So kind of long term, that's what I got set in my head. Um, uh, and they're not goals to have big mansion and, you know, compound down in Belize. I literally tell my wife, I want to live in a dirt floor hut in Belize. That would bring me so much joy just to not have a massive house to maintain and yards and, and all that kind of stuff. So for my long-term goal, it's definitely um, finding a place to retire that's good that uh, and to have the finances that I can, you know, fly my kids down or my grandkids or I can go see them for whatever their special occasions are. And so right now, that's that's kind of my long-term goal. So that kind of encompasses my happiness, my financial goals, like how do I... How do I get enough money to do this? Where how do I have a passive income? So while I'm down there, I'm still making money and not and having that's to. Your, those are your your micro goals that you're looking at. I think we were talking about earlier. And we'll work on those in the next uh, whatever 10, 15 years, so that, that that big end goal is there. Kind of my daily goals. I'm going to jump in from the big ones to the little ones. My daily goals, I actually set it on my phone. So when it goes off in the morning, it says, get after your life. So um, when I get up in the morning at, you know, 5 or 5.30 in the morning, that's the first thing I see when I look at shutting my alarm off on my phone. So get after your life. So when I get up in the morning, I want to be the very best at everything I'm doing or work as hard as I can to to be as big, good as I can be at that job throughout the day. So those are kind of my daily goals. When I get up in the morning, I work for somebody else right now. Um, I've started uh, an apparel company with another friend and then this podcast with you. And those are all part of my um, long-term goal of, of getting where I want to get. The Monthly or weekly goals, those are usually set out at the beginning of the week. I don't very or I very rarely write those down. It's like, hey, what do I need to accomplish this week? And then I'll look at a few things that I can accomplish in the little amount of time that I have and I go and I get those done. Um, uh, so yeah, they, those don't get written around. The daily ones, as they change, most definitely. I have it set on my phone, an alarm goes off to remind me every single day, this is what I want to do so I can reach my end goal. And then my long-term goals, I'm sure they're going to change up as, as time goes on. The um, the podcast is one that's, it's, you know, this is one of those things that I talked about two years ago. I wanted to, uh, to do a podcast. I meet so many interesting people. Um... Uh, turns out the equipment's not that expensive. Um, they're pretty easy to do. That that was one of my goals. So probably a year and a half ago, I found the equipment on Kijiji, went and bought the equipment and sat there. And Nicole, my wife, is like, why are you buying that stuff? I'm like, because I'll need it someday and I don't want to leave it till the last minute. And it was a good deal. Got stuff in a box in the basement, kind of plugged it in a couple times, played around with it with my son. And it's kind of funny how buying the equipment is nothing compared to actually doing it. That Which was, is free. Yeah, and it was such a small part. Like it yeah. was 350 bucks for all this equipment used, and it was always right there. And uh, spending $300 or whatever it was, that's such a small thing to do to yeah. accomplish compared to actually making it a reality, which is free. 
really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's what it was. I mean, some of it is courage. Some of it was finding the right person to do it with. And is that person going to be um, a, quotes, personality? Or is that person just going to be a tech person? Uh, whatever. And I, I know a bunch of tech guys and I ask them and they're like, oh, we don't have time. And, you know, I, I'm not interested in that type of podcast. And that was totally cool. Um, and then I met you probably... A year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah, I think it's actually been longer than it seems, but yeah, it's yeah. got to be around we, two I years. I think we trained for two years, didn't we? And then we had a year off. Be okay. So, so yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit three yeah. years. And uh, through being friends with you, found out you got a bit of a background in in uh, technical stuff. You got um, a very different perspective of life than I do, but we have. Uh, mutual things that we like to do. So it's just like, man, this is really good. And I think similar I, interests with similar. different perspectives, I think. Is, yeah, yeah, that's the perfect description. To, right? And uh, so maybe six months ago, I brought it up to you and we talked about it a couple of times. We sat down, did a practice one, and now we've been doing one pretty much every week. Um, so, you know what? I think a lot of people look at their goals and go, well, that's, that's going to take forever. But it was a year and a half, maybe two years, and it was just doing a little bit here and there, making some notes, having some thoughts, the talking funny to thing, a bunch of different people to find out whether I'm on the right track. The funny thing is, is I think when we had, like, everyone talks about stuff all the time, these pipe dreams, or wouldn't it be nice? And this podcast, I think, for a long time was a wish. Um, yeah. I don't, maybe, maybe a direction. I think mostly a wish. And it wasn't until we actually said, you know what, uh, next Saturday or two Saturdays or whatever, let's do this. Yeah. And all of a sudden it became a goal. Right. And it was achieved. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden you're able to put stuff like courage and doubt and just, I don't know, not, not knowing what you're doing. All of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, I remember when I, I used to teach survival classes. Yeah. And when I started, I knew an okay amount, but I wasn't an expert. So why was I teaching a class? I wasn't teaching a class for anybody else but myself. I would literally wake up one, no, well, maybe, whatever. I'd wake up one day and I'd go, you know what? I'm going to teach a class on water, how to purify water, how to find water, how to deal with water in a survival situation. Only problem is I don't know anything about that. (laughs) So what do I do? I book the class. I, I had an online system I used. I went and booked the class for this day. Yeah. Well, I need to be able to teach a class on water by that day. Yeah. And every single time I did one of those, I was teaching fire building. I was teaching foraging. I was teaching all these things that I had no idea about. Yeah. Because I told myself that you're teaching a class, and unless you want to make an ass of yourself in front of a bunch of strangers, you'd better know what you're talking about. Get it into gear. you got to find an hour's worth of material. Yep. And, and the funny, the, the irony of it is most people that came there to learn probably walked away with maybe less than 10% in their brains. Yeah. But I walked away with like a very strong knowledge base of the, the material as a result. So yeah. I'm actually the student of that class, not the student's. I found very, almost the identical story with Submit Self-Defense when I was running that. I uh, wanted to give something to my community, decided to teach self-defense, have uh, not an extensive martial arts background, but a good enough one. And then I had to direct, I had to uh, come up with the, the class itinerary. And so I would develop the itinerary. And if there was something that 
I hadn't done in a long time or, um, you know, wasn't super strong at, then I had to watch videos, had to read about it, had to talk to a few people about it. Then I could come into class and I could teach it confidently. And out of the three or three and a half years that I taught submit self-defense, I've only had one complaint inside there. You know, I made a ton of friends and I used to complain a lot. So I don't know what you're talking about. That was mostly about burpees though. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, And the lady that complained, she just she just didn't get it. She did, she came over. Her daughter was leaving for somewhere in South America, like in three days. And she's like, "I need her to know self defense." I'm like, "I can't teach her anything valuable in three days." Like self defense to me is this. It's a long term goal, right? This is being fit, being aware, knowing the techniques, practicing them regularly. That's what self defense is. To be able to go in and say teach a 145-pound girl how to block a, an overhand right from a 240-pound man, it's not going to happen. Not not in three days. Uh, not to mention the 70 other things that you need to know to be good at self-defense. So uh, anyways, they did the class. And as you know, it could be challenging physically. That was part of the class was uh, you know working towards your fitness goals. And uh, so they were packing her stuff into storage the next day. Both her and her mom could barely move from the exercises I made them do. Um, but yeah, she put an online complaint in, and uh, you probably still see it on my Google review. She was very unhappy. I think it's interesting when it comes to self-defense. This is kind of off topic, but um, I kind of like to compare self-defense training to a driver's ed course mm-hmm. versus a law degree. Yeah. Um, now, d- just because you took a driver's ed course and they go over the law and you're now legally responsible for the information you learned doesn't yeah. mean that you understand the law. It doesn't make you a lawyer. Right. And that's kind of the same thing with self-defense is like just because you've come and you understand like some of the body movements and some of the things you need to accomplish and consider does not make you a martial artist, which means you're not able to defend yourself. Right. So it's unfortunately misrepresented, I think, by a lot of people. Well, and there's guys out there that are selling classes like crazy on all these gimmicky moves and, you know, if this ever happens. And that's really easy to do in a culture like ours because people think they know something and the likelihood of them being attacked is virtually nothing. Well, it's kind of interesting ethical argument. Like, is it okay to sell somebody something that they want even though it's useless? If you want something useless, then someone should have the right to sell it to you. That's my everyday job, and I completely disagree i don't sell people something that they think they want and that's useless i i just don't i can't it's part of my my moral standings my i don't know what it is but i go into jobs all the time and i have customers well i want this this and i guess that's fair to say like as a personal standard but is it fair to judge people that do do that when that's that is the situation right somebody wants this yeah they don't need it they don't care whether you tell them that they don't need it yeah well, that lady in particular, all she wanted was someone to instill enough confidence in her that her daughter's going to do well in South America. And uh, nope. so <laughs> maybe maybe I failed by uh, not giving her that confidence. Um, but I just, I didn't feel right saying that, oh, well, if you know this, and I could have taught her, you know, armbar from the guard or triangle from the guard, something that a young girl that may end up in, in that position, someone in her guard trying to attack her, um, it probably would have been useful. But is it the only thing she needed to know? No, because if she was on her back and got there from a, um, a massive right hook, doesn't matter if she knows the guard. 
It's funny. I I was just having a conversation with my daughter yesterday. She was at the park and we got getting getting bullied by a bigger kid. Mm. And uh, so we had we had to talk about. It. I'm like, well, it's really important that you understand that there's a line between being verbally bullied and physically bullied. Right. Verbally, you can just walk away. Um, or you can engage, whatever you want. If it's physical, that's a different situation. When it's, once somebody else initiates a physical encounter with you that's negative, all gloves are off, literally. Yeah. You, can, you can now respond violently. Right. Um, the only problem is, is telling my daughter, who's not the biggest kid in the world, how to deal with a bigger kid who's being physically um, aggressive towards her. You have to think about these things, and it has to be easy. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know... Self-defense to me can be very simple. Is you got to cut out the fat. And I told her straight up, you kick them in the knee as hard as you can and run. Yeah. Run like someone you just kicked in the knee hard is chasing you because they probably are. <laughs> yeah. That that and you know th- those I think are valid techniques in a lot of cases. Excuse me. Where um, you know I think uh, I'm trying to remember the organization. Maybe it's Beset. I don't know. I probably shouldn't name it if I don't know that they talk about doing a distraction and then clearing the situation, right? And so doing that, kick him in the knee, kick him in the groin, try to poke him in the eye, something like that. That uh, you know, that's those can work. But what if you miss the kick or the poke or the whatever? Now all of a sudden you've put a violent gesture out there and you've taken them to that next level, right? Where they maybe are verbal or just pushing, and now you strike. But that strike misses. That takes it. So to me, it's the encompassing. And in most cases, it's going to work, right? Someone's verbally abusing you, saying, get off my playground. Well, bam, and off you go. Problem solved. You guys, you've created separation, distance. You're out of there. My concern was always that if you tried that distraction, it didn't work. You've now moved it up a level. Well, that's hopefully, as a result of that, it's already gone to a physical point. And I was very, yeah. I'm, it was very important to me that I addressed that. If somebody else crosses that line, here's how you cross that line, and here's how you end it. And I tell my kids the same thing. Like, don't, I think we, I said this last podcast too, as one of the presidents said, if at all possible, avoid uh, physical confrontation. Yeah. Don't Retreat. fight. Yeah. And if you're going to fight, fight don't fight hard. fair. That's right. Just, just go after it. So, um, if you're going to, if you're going to throw a punch or a kick, make it as violent as you possibly can. And, Absolutely. uh, that will, in a lot of cases, I think deter the average bully. Uh, they're going to like, Oh, you know, you see it in the animal kingdom all the time where, you know, two bears come up and they one swats at another and like, oh, that guy hits pretty hard. I don't want to fight this. And he walks away. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, yeah. bullies don't bully people unless they're victims and victims don't instill massive damage. So Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You want to, they're always looking for that easy target. Well, and that's the, it comes back to uh, don't fight fair. Yeah. You always fight with an advantage, and that bully thinks that they have an advantage. That's why they want to fight you. They think right. that they can beat you. They don't think you're going to fight back. <laughs> and when you cause massive, massive damage, yeah. that's going to deter any future bullies from wanting it. You're, there's going to always be an easier... And I've always said my goal in life is to not be the easiest target in the room. Right. So whatever that means, yeah. make that apparent that you're not the easiest target in the room. There's uh, there's an old saying, if, uh, if you're getting chased... Uh, 
you and your buddy are getting chased by a bear. You never have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun yeah. your buddy, right? And so as long as you're not the easiest target, then you're you're probably okay in most situations. Absolutely. I was... Uh, Although, you know, as a man, it's a much easier thing to say. Like, we're not small guys. And yeah. I don't think either of us is kind of scared in a social situation that might turn violent. So right off the bat, we're not the easiest victims in the room. Right. But we all know guys that are either... Um, unaware or they're, you know, they just don't have that violence inside them. If something sure, breaks out, they're, they're just, and I think we have a responsibility to watch out for those guys too, to a certain degree. To a degree. Yeah. I just, I like the idea that if there's something that's going to happen in a room, it's, they're going to wait until I leave the room before it happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's happening. So however you want to view that. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up being bullied severely. I was always a new kid. I think I went to... 11 different schools before grade eight. So my parents moved around a fair amount. Um, I was a very tiny kid. I don't know what my genetics were, but I basically looked like a five-year-old until I was 15. And then I grew a foot and a half and gained 60 pounds and uh, went from a boy to a man. I just kind of didn't have that middle ground. So being the new kid all the time, being pretty much the smallest kid in class, and I'm not even saying smallest boy, smallest kid in class for most of my life every time we got into a new town I just for whatever reason had a target on my back lack of confidence uh, whatever it was or just my size uh, I, I got bullied a lot I just didn't feel deep down inside that that it was a personal attack that you know my dad told me to stand up for myself and to fight don't let people push you around when you're tiny there's only so much you can do but when I walked away from a fight, win or lose, I was like, well, that's all right. <laughs> it's not so bad, right? You, It's perspective. If if you think that getting pushed down is a devastating thing, then you're going to be bullied your entire life because people are going to bump into you and knock you down and try to get things from you. And if you, you have that mentality, that's what's exactly going to happen. It's interesting that we kind of come to the same place because I came from the complete opposite end. I was I was one of the biggest kids growing up. And from, like, elementary school on, I love to fight. Yeah. I literally would just fight my friends for fun. Yeah. Um, and I was absolutely a bully. So I totally, uh, I, I know what bullies look like. Because I was that kid. I, I had a messed up home growing up. And yeah. I realized I had horrible social skills. And I realized that being mean got you friends. Yeah. And I was not afraid to fight people. I was a complete dick to anyone that I could get away with being a dick to. Yeah. But I also knew who I wasn't going to mess with. Because... Growing up in the 80s, uh, you got bullied even if you were a bully too. Yeah. So I definitely, my perspective is on bullying is I look and I go, like I look at my, my kid and I go, well, these are the aspects that are going to make you a target for bullying. So yeah. let's work on those and work on how we're going to deal with that if that comes around. Right. Because you should be who you want to be, yeah. but you should be prepared. Correct. No, I, I completely agree with that. It's funny because I got bullied for so much as a kid. Um, and then uh, when I got into high school, uh, grade 10, I, you know, gained all that weight and, and shot up a foot and a half. And now I was one of the bigger, uh, kids in the school It almost went the other way, but I had been in that school for a while. So I didn't turn into a bully, but there was zero tolerance, lots of fighting. Um, I think I told you we had a mass influx of 
East Indian kids move into uh, Surrey at the time. So there was just a lot of conflict with us not understanding each other's cultures, being the, the Caucasian kids and the East Indian kids. So we fought a lot. And I don't know that it was bullying as much as it was ignorance. But then when I got out of school and got into a bar and saw all the little weak guys out there, I definitely turned into a bully for a while. And, you know, stepping in front of them, um, Oh, I could go over all this stuff that I did. I feel bad about it now, but it was me trying to find myself. Not a great way to do it, but I uh, I realized that I didn't like that feeling anymore to the point where I left the town that I was doing it in so I could almost start a new life. See, I, re- I, I stopped doing it towards getting older in life. I think uh, just, I'm not sure, something changed morally probably that this wasn't the right thing to do. And uh, as I got older... Sorry, was it before or after kids? Before, like yeah. I'd say like high school, probably to junior high. Junior high, I started to realize the consequences of how you treat people and just kind of having some degree of empathy. Yeah. And by high school, I was just, I had to move to a new school in high school. I was the new kid and just getting that kind of perspective, but still got to the point where I was, you know, I'm, I'm down to fight you if you want. I'm, yeah. I'm still a big guy and uh, I ended up finding myself into some let's just say like not so legal situations with certain groups of people that specialize in those types of situations. And I would find myself like literally in some scary situations where I was far from the easiest victim in that situation. And I'd find myself bullying bullies. I can remember uh, I used to live in Toronto in like downtown Toronto, probably one of the more sketchy places you could possibly be walking around looking for people that look like they were bullying people and just trying to pick fights with them knowing that they weren't actually looking to pick fights they were just there to pick on people yeah and um i remember at one time i was walking around with a friend of mine a small girl well small lady yeah and literally grabbing her by the shoulder and pushing her into a guy just so i had an art a reason to go pick a fight with him like you walked (laughs) into my friend he's like no you threw her at me i don't really care yeah, you should you should got out of the way, yeah, asshole. You should have known. Yeah, <laughs> man, I wonder. So I, I know for me for sure it was a lack of confidence. So I had been bullied, and I wanted to uh, I wanted to do that to somebody else so that I could feel better about myself. Is what I thought I think was going take on at the back. time. Yeah, take back that power. I think and uh, realizing later on that there was zero value in that. It was a bucket load of fun. I'm not gonna lie. The the fighting, win or lose, I always enjoyed it. Uh, no different than sparring in martial arts. It's always a lot of fun. Having a black eye or a split lip or a busted hand, it just didn't seem like that big of a deal. Like, why is everyone afraid to to fight or to get hit or to what? But it, it is what it is. And now I'm in a place where I would probably avoid a fight um, should it should it come down to it? If I was there with my family, with my wife, with uh, my friends, I'd be like, ah, you know what? I'm okay. I don't need to beat this guy up as fun as it would be. It's funny though. Sometimes it's perspective, right? You have to go through the experiences to understand how you feel about that situation. Yeah. I think uh, like that one I was just talking about with my, my friend, the girl there, we had, uh, we were downtown. I think it was on Queen Street. It was late at night. It was one of those nights where just not a lot of people were there. And I think a, a bunch of like, you know, the the local football guys or something had come down and decided they were going to be cool downtown people realized no yeah. one was around and they could kind of get away with whatever and toronto being a bit of a scene especially the queen street scene i knew pretty much everyone around there and i'd seen them push 
a guy that I knew. Small, you just cut your classic, just yeah. small, geeky, minding his own business guy. I'd, I'd known him from the scene. I didn't. I don't know. Maybe maybe knew his name, but definitely recognized him from the scene. Saw like four big guys just push him out of the way. Yeah. And so as they came working towards us, I realized that they wouldn't look at me. They wouldn't make eye contact. <laughs> And I was like, oh, so you guys are only tough if it's something. It's like it's just, Someone easy. It's me. It's me and like a small girl, yeah. woman, small woman. And I'm like, oh, so you're only tough if you know that the four of you can take them. You're not even going to risk that the four of you can take me. And so, I, yeah, that was when I threw her. I didn't yeah. throw her. I, I nudged her so that yeah. they hit her so I had an excuse yeah, to start shit with them. so stupid, right? The, the anything to, oh, I don't like the color of your shirt. Why are you looking at me that way? Yeah. <laughs> But as I did this, because I was standing up for this, I don't even know if I call him a friend, just this guy that I recognized from the yeah. local scene that they were picking on, I, 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 I kind of caught a glance from him, and I was like, oh, um, he's not very impressed with what I'm doing over here, and I'm totally <laughs> doing this for him. And, I, and it really made me stop and think, like, yeah. I'm totally being a bully, aren't I? Yeah. Like, he's, he, he doesn't care that these guys are bullying him. The yeah. fact that he knows me and I'm now being a bully, too, is really disgusting him. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, but I'm doing this for you. And that's yeah. when it kind of occurred to me that, you know, being a dick, being a bully is being a bully. That, that's all it is. That's all it is. I, I remember, so as big as I was, you know, uh, probably in the bar scene, I was six foot tall, the height I am now, 180 pounds, all right shape. Like I was in construction at the time and uh, didn't work out a lot, but I, I stayed in pretty decent shape just from the, the job that I did. But a lot of my friends were bouncers and doormen, like these really, really big guys. And like, Chad, go, go pick a fight in the bar. Like, and then we can all jump in. And, and it was 100%. Kind of we like were, that back in the days. I remember doing concerts, and that's how all the security guys were, too. It, it's, it's ridiculous. But it was all of us just trying to find who we were. And I'm not that guy anymore. I, I wouldn't do that to somebody. I would probably step in and take the, the shots. For, for the poor guy that's about to get dummied by a bouncer. He's unaware that someone's even, you know, the only reason they're doing it is just to find something to find out who they are. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's crazy to me when I look back and see what we thought was manly or tough or... Well, and it's interesting because you can't really hold yourself... You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta be responsible, but to some degree, you have to understand that, that it was a different time back then. Violence was different and how you defined racism was different. Yeah. As much as like you're saying with the East Indian kids when they all moved in, as much as that was a negative racist experience, that was saying the ground for what was a lot, what's capable today, which right. is to, to have that knowledge and that right. understanding. Yeah. There is going to be that initial flare-up when two cultures that don't understand each other cross over, especially in a world like it was 30, 40 years ago. In Surrey, BC. Well, yeah. was it wasn't 40 yeah. years ago. I'm not that old. Yeah, it was only 30, 25 yeah. years ago. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, like we were saying, like with the bars and with concerts, I, I, I come from a background of working in live entertainment and bouncers and security guards back when I was doing this in like the nineties, yeah. they were guys that showed up to beat people up. They yeah. weren't, whereas today your security is there to keep people safe. Yeah. Um, observe and record. Yeah. It's a very different situation that we see these days. Yeah. Uh, you and I recently were at a bar where we watched them throwing people out and we kind of looked at each other like, they better not try and throw me out like that. <laughs> but that's because bouncers today, they don't know how to fight. That's no, not what they're there for. No. They're there to do their best to try and get things yeah. calmed down. Well, and as whole society's gotten a lot softer, I think, as a, as a massive group that... Uh, you know, we got to be careful with North America, the way our culture's going, that, you know, men aren't doing 
men stuff anymore. There's that old saying that, uh, what is it? Soft men make for bad society. Bad society makes for tough men. Tough men make for a better society. Something to that effect. Yeah, it's like a, the catch-22, essentially. Right. And we're, we're in a very soft society right now that uh, I think a lot of people aren't doing things that that are challenging themselves, that are making them better people. They they can get by with doing very, very little. Um, and that's that's just what their life is. And so if things get a little bit outside that, it's too hard for them to deal with. Well, I think a big problem is we don't look at the details enough. We look at big, massive brandings. And that's where you look at like the whole um, masculinity as a bad thing. Yeah. You, you, when you do that, you eliminate a lot of the good things, which are necessary, I think, in society. Like, I do not miss, like, I was I was a punk rock kid in the 90s. Yeah. And having a carload of guys pull over and beat the shit out of you was just a daily risk. Yeah. Like, it was, it's not like today where it happens, like, once a year and it's in the news. Yeah. Like, I had things happen to me growing up, violence-wise, that would be in the news if they happened today. Yeah. And for me, it was just something that happened to all my friends all the time. It was, con- like, you didn't carry chains around because they looked cool. You carried them around because you needed any protection you possibly could have. Right. What can I get away with carrying that's not going to get me in trouble by the law? Oh, literally, yeah. yeah. I remember going into a bar one time, and the the owner walked up, and he's like, I don't know if you should be in here. It's not safe for you. And I'm like, oh, don't worry. I've got a knife on me. <laughs> Which apparently was not the right answer. Uh, have a good night. Yeah. See you later. He's like, I think you should just leave, actually, yeah. if, you don't, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. But it's a different world. So I don't miss that. But uh, yeah, there's definitely aspects of like being a man yeah. that are missing. Yeah. Um, but we it just, it's like the whole toxic masculinity. Sure, that's valid. But let's talk about the aspects of toxic masculinity. Masculinity that's toxic, not masculinity is toxic. Right, exactly. I was, uh, quite a while ago, did a, a Bible study on um, John Eldridge Wilde at heart. And he talks at length about how our society very um, strongly feminizes boys. Uh, they want them to be quiet and not to rough each other up. And there's no play fighting in school. And there's no tackle football. And like, there's all these things that they're really pushing on boys that is taking them away from so if you spend six hours a day where you're not allowed to do those kinds of things and this is not even including the amount of single moms that are are raising boys which um i think that they do the best they can but you really do need a man in a boy's life i think you need a man in a girl's life too to to raise them um as optimally as you can, um, but when you can't, you, you make do. And well, you need a you need a good man. Well, let's, uh, let's say that. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. You need someone that's going to be. Um, like I think too often we confuse the you need to have a man or you need to have a woman in someone's life as just that person. Yeah. Which, when we think about it, we're like, well, yeah, obviously a good one. But no, no, I think a lot of times they're like, oh, you need to have it. Right. There's a lot of people that have men in their lives as fathers who are just absolute pieces of garbage. And frankly, they'd probably be better without any man at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. You need to have a good uh, role model in your life, someone that shows you what, what being a man is. And that sounds almost too, not masculine, um, chauvinistic, maybe is the right word. Well, you need someone who's walked down that path and figured out the right way. Yeah. And that's what a good man is. Right. So, and it comes down to uh, Donovan and that, the way of men talking about the difference between a good man and being good at being a man. Right. Mastery, honor. What was the third one? 
that you I, talked about. Quoting books is just not my specialty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right that that there's something to be said, and I think a lot of people settle and they end up um, with those challenges in life. Uh, that uh, you know, a boy being raised by mostly women is not going to be the same as someone that was raised in a tribe. We talked about tribes last time and what's important in a tribe, and it's having good teachers for the the people that are coming up underneath you. And if my son spends, you know, uh, I think he's actually got a male teacher this year, but I think for a majority, probably, what is it, 80% females in the, the education system, I'd have to guess it's somewhere near there as, as teachers, that that's who's raising our boys for six hours a day. I think it's really unfortunate. Um, it's a great thing that, like, girls these days, I don't know anyone that has a little girl that isn't just raising an amazing little person who has just so much potential and has been giving so much to work with with that potential. Unfortunately for a lot of people, they seem to think that raising girls up means pushing boys down. Yeah, there's that too. The The Feminist Act was originally supposed to lift women up, but then it kind of turned around and started pushing men down. It's not about equality anymore. It's about, well, women deserve more. And uh, I think in a lot of part of the world, they still need that. Um, but in North America, I would say overall, women have it pretty good, as good as men. Well, and that's that classic statement. They say, if you're so into feminism, then why don't you go over to Iraq or Afghanistan? Right. <laughs> I'm sure they, they have a lot more work for you to do than they do here. Right. Go go over to Syria and, and tell those guys that they shouldn't be smacking their wives around and see what happens. Or dumping acid on them for learning to read. Like, right. You, yeah, want, yeah. you want an actual like feminist thing to work on? Yeah, that that's a fantastic one. And actually, you know, it's funny you bring that up, that... Um, one of our guests that we can have on soon is uh, a local uh, physician that uh, is fighting really hard for the, the women and children in Burma. So I'm super excited to announce when that uh, that's coming up. Um, our website should be up soon. I, uh, I I failed miserably at it, and I traded Lee a bunch of stuff, so he's uh, he's going to take over the website for a us. jailhouse business going on here. hundred eh? percent, just because. Uh, so we talk about goals. Goals, uh, direction, and wishes. My goal was everything I've done. Lee's been my website guy. Um, you know, we're partners in Combat DNA, and uh, he helped me with submit. Help me. He did. It. He did the all the the social media and website design for it. And I was like, Nah, you know what? He does a lot for me. I'm gonna put a genuine effort into building this website. Turns out I'm a freaking retard well, <laughs> when it fair. comes to. Uh, uh, building that stuff. So I phoned him and says, hey, you know what? I've been working on this for a couple of weeks and I'm just failing miserably. Uh, can you come over and just give me a hand for an hour and, and just push me in the right direction? Well, that kind of goes back to like, originally I was trying to trying to make the point that you don't, your goal doesn't necessarily have to be a conventional goal. It doesn't have to be what everyone else wants. Yes. And that doesn't mean, and to some degree, that means not being good at everything. Because right. there's just some things that you don't care if you're good at. You don't want to be good at. My brain just doesn't function yeah. in some... And, like, I'm not going to set a goal for something that I don't want to do. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much I should do it. Yeah. I just, I don't want to do it, therefore I'm not going to do it. And, and another aspect of that is it's okay to walk away from goals if you don't want them anymore. Right, yeah. Like having a an RV and traveling across Canada, driving 300 kilometers a day. I'm, I'm done driving 300 hopefully, kilometers a well, day. Well, hopefully you set good goals that in attempting those goals that you decide you don't want anymore, it takes you to a place that you're better suited to accomplish other goals that you now want. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, exactly. So anyways, Lee's working on the website. We're going to get uh, some guests on the show. And so as far as accomplishing goals, we're accomplishing them, right? We got the podcast up and going. And yeah, there was a little portion I couldn't do. And maybe it was silly for me to even try. Um, and you maybe know, I didn't put a genuine effort in because I knew I had an ace in my back pocket with uh, my buddy Lee. <laughs> it's funny that open. you mentioned that. Uh, something that I think I need to add to that, because we had the, the goals, the directions, and the wishes. Yeah. What do you do after you accomplish your goal? You have to have your evolutions, maybe, because our goal was to make a podcast. We've yeah. done that. And since that, we haven't really set a new goal as to what we're trying to accomplish with it. And as a result, I right. think that's, that's allowed us to kind of not have a website, to not publish anything as of yet. Right. Um, so it kind of makes you wonder, like, do we need a new goal or what do we do with the goal now that we have it? Should we have had yeah. a, the next goal after this in line? Well, I think there is an evolution to every goal, right? Like when you get to your 20 push-ups, are you going to quit and stop doing push-ups? No, but I know my next goal is going to be 50, right? Yeah. So so we haven't talked about the goals for the podcast. and Because uh, obviously you don't get a podcast and then walk away from it. That, 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 <laughs> right. It's not that type of goal. Like, right. There's definitely are the goals where you're like, okay, I accomplished my goal. Well, yeah. that's, I, just wanted to, I just wanted to prove that I could do it. I did it. Now let's do something else. I think the biggest thing uh, for the goal for the podcast is uh, in the name, is I want to know. And, and this is about us um, creating a media where we can gain as much knowledge. Both of you and I have that same thought process. That's why we listen to four to six hours of podcast almost every single day. That's why we uh, uh, do martial arts and, and ride our bikes and, and meet new people is to, to find things that we don't know. Um, I'm lucky with the job I've got right now that I meet all kinds of interesting people and uh, uh, if everything works out I'm going to quit that job eventually and hopefully the podcast will be a position where it's large enough where people are like hey I want to come on your podcast and, and tell you something I know I'm like that would be brilliant okay so goal setting goal what setting. is our goal with the podcast and when are we want to accomplish it I would say that uh, a couple goals that we want to set with this is having interesting and informative guests. So we've both started a list. Well, um, I'm I'm both of those, so we can always check that off. What, <laughs> okay. what, 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 uh, <laughs> okay, when are we? Uh, how about this? Uh, right now, all these podcasts we're we're recording without the intention of really releasing. We have the intention. We haven't set a date. Okay. Yeah. What what when do we want to have these podcasts released, and what will be the determining factor? So for me, it was, I wanted to have the website up and going and the emails uh, on there so that we can um, uh, create a little bit of a relationship with people that are listening. We have some form of visual stimuli to put out. Um, so that that's going to get done in, I would say, the next week or two. Um, the date today so being we can call what, that, June? We, we call that a goal or we can call that a stepping stone on the way to our goal? That's a, publishing that's, a podcast. That's a mini goal, right? Is okay. to to publish it. So we need to have we need to have a website. Yeah. Uh, currently, if you're listening to this in the future, we don't have intro music. No. So we need to have our intro music figured out. An intro and an outro. An intro and outro. Yep. What else do we need before we're willing to publish an actual podcast publicly? Uh, I think. Um I think that's pretty much it. That's going to make me comfortable enough that I'm willing to put it online. And uh, I want to have a way for people to tell us what they're, what we can improve upon. Okay. Right? Um, 
I think that that's an important part of goals is that uh, when you start moving that direction that you have people around you go, hey, you know what, that was really good, but if you did this, this, and this. Um, you know, constructive criticism is what I'm looking for. So we're sitting here at, what is it, June 3rd. Yeah. What do you think a realistic timeline is that we can kind of aim this to, to happen is? Well, we typically do these on Sundays, Saturdays. Saturdays. So, Sunday today. Uh, I would say by July 7th. July 7th. That's a very specific date. Yeah, well, that's, that's uh, the first Saturday about a month from now. Okay, so one month one month of weekends. <laughs> one month of weekends that we can uh, get Lee to do all the work for us. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. then we can just be well, comfortable hey, publishing. Pressuring it. Lee is an actual accomplishment of ours. So, okay, yeah. yeah, lots of pressure on yeah. uh, the overworked old guy. Yep. Okay, I can do that. I'm perfect. I'm in management. I'm good at pressuring Well, there's a, there's a balance between pressuring and not killing. So, you know, okay. that's definitely an accomplishment to, okay. to consider. We'll, uh, we'll have to work on helping him with some of his goals uh, coming up. So if July 6th comes along yeah. and we are not ready to publish the next day. We're publishing we, anyways. We're pulling an all-nighter to do whatever. Yeah, we are. We it's are, it's we're, going out the 7th. No matter how bad it is, it's going out the 7th. It's going out the 7th. Okay. So we, me and you have to do intro outros. Yep. Lee has to do all the social media yep. <laughs> and teach us how to run it. And then uh, then we're good to go. That's it. It's pretty simple. So two years in the making and we're one month away from actually publishing. Okay. Well, so there you go. July 7th. If July you're listening to this 7th. after that. 2018. 2018. 2018. So uh, feel free to send hate mail and uh, hold us to, <laughs> to fucking up if we haven't had this out. If that's not when this published date uh, is coming out. I would, I would like to assume that we could avoid the hate mail. Um, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I hear what they have to deal with at a, at a regular basis. So I'm kind of declaring that, that we won't have to put up with as much hate as uh, some other people maybe have to. So be sympathetic to my ignorance. Well, you know what? I, so I'm really bad with names and I'll tell people that I will not remember your name until you piss me off. Really? Yeah. That's your trigger for remembering. Usually. that Well, you know, repetitive. Inter- yeah. or Like, it's a negative experience. I either, either you need to piss me off or I need to be embarrassed by not remembering your name. Okay. In which okay, case, yeah, yeah. I will then remember your name. Yeah. Um, I guess that's in the mindset that there's no publicity. Um, or, sorry, there's no bad publicity. So, with that said, send us your hate mail. Just give <laughs> us your attention. That's all we want. We just want your attention. Pay attention to us, please. Uh, you know how I remember names? I asked my wife. You asked your wife. I actually, <laughs> she always remembers. I've been writing them down. I've been meeting oh. so many new... I just recently joined a new martial arts club, and it's a massive club, and I've been writing names down nice. and trying to figure out descriptions, because yeah, yeah. white guy in yeah. martial arts shorts does not <laughs> help me at all. Billy the bad breath guy. Yeah. And even though it's like a realistic, <laughs> I'm the only one that's going to see it, I can't write black guy. Only black guy in the club. <laughs> I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy, even though I'm the only one who sees this list. Oh, Yeah. yeah. No, it's a mindset, right? You got to get away from that. Uh, let's talk about uh, wishes. When uh, when I okay. grew up, uh, my dad used to say to me, goes, wish in one hand, shit in the other, see which one fills up first. That uh, he kind of described wishes as being useless without some kind of action behind it. So define wishes um, for me. What What's your your definition of wishes? A wish is something that I guess I want to happen, and I don't know how I'm going to get there. 
Yeah. Um, I think a lot of growing up as a kid, you tell yourself, I want to be successful. I want to change the world. Yeah. But you don't have any idea how you're going to do that. Right. So it's what children see as goals, I guess, is how a good way to, to view it. There you go. That's a good definition. Because when you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they go, I want to be a doctor. And yeah. you go, well, how are you going to do that? A child's not going to be like, well, I'm going to get good grades and I'm going to learn good work ethic and study skills through elementary and junior high and high school. In high school, I'm going to get really good grades so that I'm accepted into law school. I'm going to research what kind of benefits and grants I can get to help me get in there. And then I'm trying, you know, like they don't, they don't tell you the process of how they're going to accomplish it. So that's a wish. Maybe it's a very realistic wish for some kids, but that's a wish. So it doesn't mean that it won't happen. doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means at this point in time, you haven't turned that into a goal. Right. I think for me, the wish, and maybe this is just the culture I grew up in, it's something that would be cool to have, but it's not super important on my list. Where, you know what? Uh, um, Priority filter. Yeah. yeah. It, basically what it is. Like, you know, um, I want to do b- downhill biking with you. I just not spending $4,000 or even $800 on a bike right now. There's other things that, so my wish is to have a downhill bike and uh, it's, it's on the list. It's, it's, it's going to happen when every, when all the stars line up. It's really funny that you use that as an example. I, I, when I was doing my wishes or not my wishes, my goals recently, I went and made a list of goals that I've accomplished recently just so I can kind of break down how I did it, how I feel about it and where I went. And one of them was last year, I spent probably two years wishing I could do downhill biking. Yeah. Um, now for anyone that's not familiar, you're, you're looking at a basic entry fee of at least three or $4,000 for the bike itself. And that doesn't include all the, everything else. Yeah. And for me, that's just not an option. I don't live my life where I'm massively financially yeah. fluid. Let's see. So I literally had to stop and go, okay, I want to do this. How can I do this step by step? And it involved finding, you know, okay, I, I need to buy a really cheap bike. Yeah. So I need to learn about bikes to find out what are good investments. On, like what's, what is, what is too cheap? Like what, what, what's the lowest I can look for? And then what am I looking for? And then just get really on top of it. Check the, check the use pages like three, four times a day. Yeah. So that when something did come up that I could afford, I was buying it for cheaper than I could, but I was going to be on top of it quick enough that I could be the first person to get it. Right. That's what I did. Um, and then I just looked around for everything I could get. Everything I own for the sport is either used or on a massive discount to sale. Yeah. And it happened. And I did it over a period of time. So it wasn't one large investment. Because it yeah. was a massive hill to climb when you look at it all at once. Yeah. And so I just pecked it at pieces of piece in piece. It's something I decided that I wanted to do. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to start doing it until halfway through the season because of how much it took to accomplish it. Yeah. But that was a, that was a wish. That was a wish that I didn't think was... I, I literally would sit around feeling sorry for myself watching YouTube videos of people doing this. I, I, sh- I shouldn't laugh because uh, I laugh because I do the same thing. Right. Yeah. But it, it really, it made a big difference to me to realize that if you want to accomplish something, you'll find a way to accomplish it. Right. Because with sitting there feeling sorry for myself, I'm like, I can't afford a $10,000 bicycle. I can't afford like $3,000 worth of gear. Yeah. I, you know, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like, I don't know if my body will take this sort of thing. Like I'm yeah. getting old. I've got injuries. And then I just started breaking it down and just started accomplishing smaller goals on the way right. to my goal. And that's yeah. kind of how I've, that's why I've decided that these are the steps you need to take. Yeah. Um, I surrounded myself with people who are going to tell you like, oh yeah, you can totally do that. Not people right. who are like, that's stupid. Why would you want to do that? You can't do that. Don't you find there's some importance in that though? Like to have the people that put you in check. So I have friends that tell me you're being stupid. 
when I'm being stupid, that it's 100%. And you got to wait on your mind like, well, this person really loves me and he thinks I'm being stupid or she thinks I'm being stupid. I really got to, I got to dig into that and see if I am. And sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. But that's, uh, I think it's important that you have people around you that don't think the way you do, that maybe even think, my mom is the perfect example. Every time I'm doing something, like I, I, I posted that we did that 35-kilometer ride. We did it in, um, whatever, two hours. It was a good pace. Like, you know, we trucked it that day pretty good. That was the biggest ride I ever did. And the next day, my butt was a bit sore from, from all the battling. And I was telling my mom, well, you shouldn't do that anymore. What do you mean I shouldn't do that anymore? Like, But there's times when she tells me I shouldn't be doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing that. So it's, it's I don't even know where I'm trying to go with this. That I think there's an importance to have some of those naysayers in your life. Because one, makes you think about what you're really, really doing, and maybe um, they can guide you in the right direction. But in the same token, you can always show them like, oh, you know what? Remember when you told me I shouldn't do a 35-kilometer ride? Well, I just did whatever. I rode to Banff and back. I think my personality isn't isn't uh, installed to work that way, to be honest. <laughs> I think when someone tells me that you shouldn't do that, yeah, you give them big I old double it. birds and off yeah. you go. I want to rub it in their face when I keep yeah. doing it. Um, although I have to admit, on some level, it might be it might be making me put the brakes, or at least analyze what I'm doing. Right. Um. I've I've had quite, I've had some pretty good concussions over the past few years, and as I've gotten older, I've had some pretty big side effects. And every time I've gotten one, I've had numerous people say, "Maybe you shouldn't be fighting anymore if you're getting <laughs> concussions and having massive problems because of it." Yeah. It didn't stop me from fighting. Right. But it's made me a lot more aware and a lot more careful about right. how I do it. Right. So maybe that helped me there. I mean, it's. It's also probably stopped me from like going and comp- competitively fighting with concussions. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's it's not stopping me, but it's giving me perspective on how I go forward with this. I guess would be the best yeah. I can say. I, I gotta tell you a story. So I would say at the peak of my training in, in martial arts was uh, in Kelowna, David Lee's club, and um, you know he, he's an excellent coach, and uh, I had aspirations of, of possibly being a professional fighter. I don't know if I had the skill sets or not, um, or the drive or not, but that's where my goals were at the time. And then I met uh, Oleg Taktarov. Um, he was in I think UFC six or seven. He's fought all over the Predators. place. Predators. Yeah, he was in Predators, right? Exactly. Which he, I personally considered the height of his career. Yeah, I think he's done some pretty big Russian movies too, but... Uh, They're so, not, is it <laughs> Russian Predator? Because Russian Predator is not Predators. It was a pretty darn good movie. Uh, but anyways, I met this guy, and I had never... Like, you hear about Punch Drunk, but I had never actually met somebody um, that was that Punch Drunk. And uh, talking to him for about 15 minutes went maybe construction is not such a bad career after all that uh, that guy definitely sacrificed his brain for his career. Uh, I don't know where he is now. Uh, I don't know how difficult it was to do predators, uh, predators for him. Uh, maybe he's found something to help heal it. I hope he has, but holy man, did that guy have some um, brain issues and I recognized it immediately. And this was in, I don't know, 99, 98, something like that, that he came by our club. And uh, yeah, you're just like, that is uh, scary, 
scary to think that that's what you're going to... Not that construction was any better. My shoulders, my back, uh, my knees got tortured uh, hanging board and doing taping. And I did renovations, tile demolition, all, all kinds of stuff. I got to be honest. Like, when I take time off from training, I get up in the morning and my back hurts. My joints hurt. Just be from being old. Yeah. Um, and then today I get up and my legs hurt, my knees hurt, my back <laughs> hurts. But you know what? They hurt because I've been do- doing act. I'm being active. I'd right. much rather hurt from being active than from being 100%. old. Yeah. But yeah, they're definitely like I don't I, the, the having brain damage is a little different. But well, is it? I mean. They're moving closer and closer to to be able to uh, do things for people with brain damage. That's now. some scary shit because there's some stupid stuff I've got planned. Once we can fix our brains, <laughs> I know the uh, all bets are off if you can just get a shot and go. Oh, you wrecked that part of your brain. Here's a little shot. And we'll fix it. Or, oh, I am I'm I'm kickboxing professionally every weekend in a match. <laughs> if that's I'm not training anymore. I'm just gonna go to matches. That's your training. Is just yeah. going and just getting gonna, your ass whipped. I'm by. gonna train Thai style. I'm just gonna fight every. <laughs> day professionally some big dutch kickboxer is just gonna lay shins on your forehead and you just go get a shot to fix it yeah totally my my guard style is called uh, the doctor <laughs> yeah you know what i i look back on it now and and have i saved anything by choosing construction instead of a professional fight career i don't know uh professional Would you notice would I have noticed a difference? I, I listened to, uh, well, obviously, JRA, and he has lots of fighters on there. And you talk to these retired fighters and what they're feeling and what they're going through. And I'm like, well, damn, that's the same thing I'm going through, except I didn't make, but the odds of me making the same kind of money is like a Joe Schilling. or I a, think the, the, the dirty secret is you don't make money fighting unless you're the very high, 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 high uh, end. I think that's probably true. I think you could make a living fighting, but you're not making, you could make as much as a construction worker. I, oh, I don't know about that. I think you'd have to be pretty high level still to be like, you'd have to be either at the very, well, I don't know, the very high level of boxing. Yeah. Or at like the very high level of uh, like the UFC. Yeah. The highest level of UFC, they're making a few million dollars a year. Yeah. I'd say the average UFC fighter is probably making $150,000 a year, um, which is a good wage. You know, you, you have three fights a year. Well, that's average, right? So we're not talking, you, you have to be on the main card. You yeah. probably have to be at least halfway onto the main card. You'd have to be a, a fighter that you and I, we recognize their name. Yeah. Maybe not a household name. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's pretty high level when you think about how many guys walk into a gym hoping to be a fighter one day. You Realistically, your odds of, uh, what's, what's, what's a job that isn't known for making money? Like the odds of you going into retail sales. Yeah. Like working at the mall and becoming um, like uh, someone who makes a hundred grand a year yeah. are significantly higher than the odds of you walking into an MMA gym and becoming someone who makes that much money in a year. I'm not disagreeing with you, but the thought that I had on that was, um, uh, I was, I can't remember who I was listening to. Was it Kat Zingano? They were talking about girl fighters coming up right now. And, you know, the girls getting in the UFC have two, maybe three professional fights. And they're getting in the UFC. Now, they're not making $150,000 a year. But to be top of your field as a 135-pound uh, girl fighter, 115-pound girl fighter, it wouldn't be that difficult, you know, some genuine effort. And I'm not knocking the girl fighters at all because I think they're pretty phenomenal. Um, and I'm super impressed with their evolution. But to get to top of your field in that field right now isn't that difficult. If you're getting into the UFC with three professional fights, 
that's impressive. That's super, super impressive. Um, but it doesn't seem like that big of a challenge. That's five years out if you dedicated yourself to it. Um, and, and you had a fight background. like That, that was your goal. And uh, male fighters, they have three... 300, I think, 350 male fighters on their um, uh, payroll in the UFC right now. To get onto that 300, that that doesn't seem like if you really dedicated your life to it. I think for most of those 350 fighters, most of them, I'd say like probably 250 of them at least, probably lose money by being a UFC fighter. Man, I'd really like to dig into that. You might be right. Um, like when you think about, um, they're doing how it for the love of the game. They they're probably making ten thousand dollars per fight, and then you have to factor mm-hmm. they lose a huge chunk of that to their camp, to their uh, their management, to their coaches, whatever. Yeah. And then travel expenses, and then the amount of time that they invest to train for that, it's yeah. not much of a return. I think UFC pays travel and accommodations. Over and above your your fight purse, right? But you have to factor in most of these guys go to camps that aren't aren't in their home cities, um, and there's going to be yeah. factors like that too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I would uh, I would like to talk to somebody. I think I've got a link to um, Nick Ring, ex UFC fighter. I think I got a guy. Yeah, uh, you do. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we won't say it right now until we get it confirmed. But yeah. uh, we'll we'll try to get some. Uh, um, some professional fighters in here, if not UFC fighters, and just have a discussion. Because I'm sure they love talking about how much money they make. <laughs> well, you know what? I think I think some of them, I don't know about your guy. I think they would be smart if they did talk about it because I don't think that people are aware of how much they sacrifice for something they love, and they're they're not turning in. They're not all becoming millionaires, or they're not. No, all it's an interesting thing because I think at this point in time, it's one of the few things you can become really wealthy and famous at doing. Yeah, that you can't have that as your goal when you get into it. Yeah, you definitely have to be doing it for the love of the game first. Being a pro fighter is volunteer work. Yeah, yeah. And like you might as well factor in trying to win the lottery as your strategy to becoming rich. Yeah, you had a better chance of getting rectal cancer than you do of uh, of winning the lottery. I think those are actual odds. With that said, though, it's really interesting. There is a point. So I was a roadie um, uh, for, for 17 years, and I would watch people come and try they, from their first day of not knowing anything, their first day at work, and then watch them get to, you know, how many of them lasted a year? And out of those people, how many of those people lasted five years? And out of those people, how many people actually got a decent job out of working that time? And out of the people that got a decent job and trained to be a technician, how many of them actually got on to work, like, full-time hours? And it kind of came down to the point where I was like, I am, like, a one in 100,000 people, probably. Well, not me. I think it's probably more like one in 10,000 people yeah. is, like, how the ratio of getting to the point that I got to in that particular situation. Yeah. So you got to stop and ask yourself, how many times have you been in a situation where you were the, the one in a million, you were the one in a thousand that made it? Yeah. We all have been there. We've yeah. all had those accomplishments. So it's statistically in that specific situation very low. Yeah. But the likelihood of you accomplishing something that most people can accomplish in your life is very high at I, some point. I would like to see the actual stats because I, I think you brought this up before where it says you, don't actually, you said that you don't have to actually work that hard to get to the top of, of almost any field, that uh, it's very easy to stand out in any specific field with a little bit of work. 
Um, and, and, and I'm starting to lean more towards agreeing with you where at first I was like, no, no, you got to bust your nut. And, and maybe that's just my culture, my mentality. And that's how I get to where I want to get to is that I just have to put it in my head. No, 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 work hard, work hard, work hard. Like be the best, do, do everything you stay the extra 15 minutes, whatever, whatever mentality that I needed to do to get there. But I look around at uh, our particular area and there's people making good money. And I'm like, how did you get there? Like, you just don't seem like you're bright enough to tie your own shoes and you're managing whatever. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. But it's a little bit, um, not deceiving, disappointing uh, when you see that. And, you know, I talk to managers of large construction companies that know nothing about what we're doing. And I'm like, how did you get this to, the, to this position without knowing this stuff? It's interesting because you said culture. And I think you and I, we're a culture, the yeah. two of us. We yeah. have a culture that we have, that we've created between us. And we have people also in, in our culture too. And our culture is very much the fuck you, I'm taking this. It doesn't matter. It's we're like going after it. Yeah, I want to yeah. be a fighter. I want to ride my bike with the 70 kilometer goal we have. We're not sitting around talking about it. We're like, you want to do this? Yeah, let's do this. Fuck this. We're doing this. We're making right. it happen. Right. That's who we are. Yeah. Whereas most people just sit around. They're like, you know what? As long as no one's bugging me and I'm relatively comfortable, I'm happy. Right. That's the majority of people. But that doesn't discount the fact that most people that are very successful, their luck to hard work balance is very skewed towards luck. Yeah, maybe that's true. Like I, we are the. So, do you think we're luckier or harder working? Oh no, I think well, everyone's got luck. It's really hard yeah. to balance that. I think we're the people that if we didn't have the attitude of like, fuck you, I'm going to go get it, yeah. we would be to the average person. We'd be just being fine, just cruising by. Not yeah. The fact that we're we're trying to offset our luck with hard work yeah. makes us different, definitely within that aspect. And if we had the luck that a lot of successful people did yeah. and the hard work, we'd be even more successful than they are. Yeah. But that's, unfortunately, we had the luck of the average person. Yeah which is we, it comes to us now and then, and we do our best to make the best of it. That's yeah. why we probably do better, whether that's uh, emotionally, psychologically, financially, lifestyle-wise. Like, I know I'm a lot happier than most people that are significantly more successful than I am in, in some of those other fields. Well, and what's success? Success should be based on happiness, not well, necessarily it, financial goals. It was funny you're talking about moving down to Belize and having, you know, not a big Dirt house. Floor and, well, I live in an apartment building right now. I look at my window and I've got green grass that yeah. I didn't mow. <laughs> and I'm very happy. Yeah. I'm happy I don't I don't have to shut cuz it's an apartment. I don't shovel my walk. Yeah. I don't mow my grass. Right. But it's all done. Yeah. Um I don't have to endure any unhappiness to right. be happy in my home. Right. Except for when I stop and go I don't live in a big house. So why, Do, why? But is that but, happiness? Like, does having a big house would that make you happier? Well, and that's the trick, right? Yeah. Why would that make me happier? Because yeah. it implies success. Well, do I? So why don't I just instead of if my choices are to have a big house or to eliminate people that make me feel bad about not having a big house? Yeah. And I feel the same. Which one of those is an easier goal to accomplish? Obviously, eliminating the people. Right. Right. So that's where you kind of have this interesting situation. You create your community, yeah, and your community will judge you based on the terms you want to be judged on. Yeah, I think you got to be careful with that. Well, and that's why you get people like that. You have the two types of people: people that drag you down and people that lift you up. Right. I will always try to surround myself with people that are better than me, at yeah. least in at least one aspect that I want to better myself in, because I constantly want to be insecure. Yeah. I want people to call me fat. I want people to call me lazy. I want people to call me I stupid. Can do that. Yeah. I can do that. <laughs> yeah. 
for the reason that I don't want to be in a situation where I feel that I'm doing okay because I'm doing better than some guy that I know, right? I think, yeah, yeah, I, I completely understand it. I think that for me, I have four categories though. There's um, people that lift me up and people that drag me down. There's people that I can lift up and that people that can, what was the fourth one? Son of a, I should have taken my brain pills today. Uh-oh. So there's people that lift me up okay. and people that I can lift up. Right. As, as two different groups. And then there's people that I guess I could bring down and people that can bring me down. Those would be the four groups. So hmm. I think that it's important um, that, and sometimes it's back and forth. Uh, I know my buddy Lee, there's times that, that he lifts me up and there's times that he knocks me off my pedestal. And I think that's, they're both really, really important. You know, he's like, hey, stupid. Look at what you're saying. Look at what you're doing. This is not part of your goals. Or this is not part of who you are. You're out of sorts today. Right. Focus on what's Check. going on, right? Check. And uh, I think it's important to have people in your life that are going to knock you off your pedestal once in a while and say, hey, this is not, you're not in line. And I think that we're required to have people in. So depending on how long the relationship is, there's people that uh, need you wholeheartedly, that uh, they look up to you and they go, oh, I want to be like that. And there's no way that they're going to get there without you being their friend. And you're going to gain nothing from a personal standpoint out of that. And that person is going to gain everything. And I think that's okay too. I think this is what we were talking about. I was trying to get across yeah, last I think weekend. With the tribe thing, yeah. I put I put value on people first and foremost. Like if I don't like, like, you know, how much I like somebody is a factor, but I got to put value on them. And a big part is like if your only value is you make me feel good because I'm not as bad as you, that's not value to me. And I think the fact that people don't put value on their friends is a reason why we have so many shitty people wandering around is because they're in these in these environments where there's no reason to be better. Yeah. And I, and I understand the value part, but I think there's also, um, it, it has to be the, the give and the take. Like what, so they're not offering any value to you, but what value can you offer to them? And so and I think that there's lots of relations that I have where I'm all about giving and that person's all about taking and I'm totally okay with that. I guess that's kind of that's a point where I don't have a perspective on that. If uh if they're willing to accept me, if I see value that I want from them yeah. and they're willing to accept me in return, that's pretty much I don't really question that. That's kind of like, you know, here's a bunch of money. I don't yeah. really care why you're giving me a bunch of money. Just <laughs> give me the money. Yeah, yeah. I'm just happy yeah. that you're willing to do it. So <laughs> And that's, you yeah. know, unfortunately, like healthy insecurity and fear, like we were talking before, is that's a huge motivation for why I want to better myself. Yeah. So I'm totally cool with walking around, finding people that are better than me because it gives me a goal to aspire to. And I've done, I have no problem thinking that I'm not as good as them and I don't have the right to be their friend. And right. That they're doing me a favor by being my friend, like I, that's perfectly fine in my mind. I'll walk around like that, and because I'm constantly thinking to myself, like at any point in time, this person could realize that there's no reason for them to be around me. Yeah. So I constantly have that motivation to keep pushing myself. You know what I was as you're saying that it brought me up to a time when uh, you're saying that you're like I don't know why I hang around you. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're a bit of a dipshit. <laughs> we uh, I was at a time where uh, alcohol was taking a, a really strong hold. I, I was smoking a lot. It just was unhealthy. 
but that's what all my friends were doing. And not that they're bad people or anything, but I had to create a separation in there where I only could be around people that were bringing me up. I couldn't be around people that I could possibly fall back into that lifestyle for. And so uh, there's an old saying, uh, you can have friends for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Some of those people that I created separation with so that I wasn't drinking or smoking um, and I could get better control of my life, um, that separation was only for a season or two until I got good control and my confidence back and I realized, oh, I could be in a group of people that are getting smashed and I can have my one or two and then go home or hang out or do whatever. I had control again. I couldn't do that if I was still around them every single day. That, that for me... Um, this this makes more sense of what you're saying. So I'm, what I'm doing is I'm just I'm making sense of where what you're saying and where I could find sure, out. Sure, yeah. And that that's what it was for me is that there there came a time where I had to create separation from people because I felt like they were pulling me down and I couldn't I was I was drowning and they were a weight on my foot. And not that they're bad people, it was just a situation I was in created that. And so once I cut that weight off my foot, I got my head above water, I got control again. I could hold on to that. I was strong. I could hold on to that weight and be in the water and not get drugged down. Well, that's a, I think that's a big part about surrounding yourself with better people is that better people have a lot of good side effects in addition to what they actually offer you. Um, recently, so I'm not an alcoholic by any means. No. I just decided uh, back in for my New Year's resolution, I was going to make a bunch of changes in my life. Yeah. And that way, whatever didn't work out, I would just cut away. But hopefully I'd keep the main ones that were important to me. And fortunately, I've stuck with most of them. Nice. Uh, one of them was to stop drinking. Um, not because I had a problem, just I figured, you know what, I wanna, I've want i got all these goals and I'll add not drinking to that. And that way, when things are getting hard on me, I can just go back to drinking because <laughs> it's not a big deal. And it's wasted calories. Exactly. Uh, I, I've drank whenever I felt like it since then, which has been once in that, in what, five, six months now, January, February, March, April, May, June. Yeah. And I think a a big part of that is that I have people around me that drink fairly regularly, but I don't have anyone around me that feels that I need to be drinking because they're drinking. Right. That was the difference with my friends. Like when I went out with them, like have another beer, have another beer, have another beer. Like it would just, if they were having one, they just got you one. And their expectation was where, um, and I've seen it with you. We're been over here watching fights or just hanging out and, and, you know, having beers. Some people drink, some people don't. And there's no pressure. You wouldn't know who was drinking and who wasn't. It's like you do your thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no pressure. Maybe that comes with age. Cause when I was younger, it just like, that was the. Well, it's an insecurity thing, right? Like I'm an alcoholic. I mean, you're not an alcoholic. Could be. Sort yeah. of like, I think it extrapolates to a lot of things, like exercise. Yeah. Like, I'm not exercising. Why are you exercising? You right. shouldn't exercise. It's stupid. You're going <laughs> to you're gonna get hurt. You're going to blow a knee out or, yeah. You know. Well, until I do, I'm going to do it. Right. That's, whereas, you know, yeah, it's do your own thing and uh, don't drag other people down just because you're not doing it. Like, that's a huge community, tribe thing that you have a hard time finding these days. It really is. I think people have this desire just to have everyone around them think what they're doing is okay and for people to do what they're doing. Well, and it's funny to stop and think, everyone that I associate with in my tribe or my community, if I stopped talking to them, if everybody they knew stopped talking to them, they would still live their life the same way that they do with this, with or without us. I'm trying to think if that's true. That's I would uh, still fight. I would still mountain bike. I would still have my job. I'd still act the way that I act. I'd yeah. still have the passions in my life. I'd still have the same opinions, regardless of yeah. who my friends were. Yeah. 
And a lot of people, I think, would completely change everything about them if they had a different friend group. Like, how many people play golf because they actually enjoy playing golf? Probably a few. I think a lot do it because it's what their friends do. It's what their buddies do. Yeah. Um, You know, you go to, like, a a Grey Cup party or a Super Bowl party, and most of the people don't even know what teams are playing. (laughs) Because they're just there because it's a social thing. It's what you go and do. Or people right. go for drinks. They're not really that. Like it's a, you, one of the local craft breweries here was telling me most people come in there and drink Bud Light or Coors because that's the idea of drinking isn't yeah. really what they're into, but it's the thing to do. So you right. go to a craft brewery because the thing to do is go to a craft brewery. I, I think what I think that's why maybe we're doing this podcast together is that what you said earlier by no matter what I do or say and the rest of your friends do, you're always going to do what you deem is right. Like you're going to be that person. Almost to like an anti of that where I will, I will look for conflict to cause to justify why (laughs) I'm doing what I'm doing. I want you to tell me that I'm stupid and that I shouldn't do that. So I can argue with you. Stop mountain biking, you're too fat. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh fuck you buddy. (laughs) How about this? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But, uh, and, and I think I'm not the same as you is that I'm, I'm on board with almost anything. When someone says, Hey, this is really cool. You should try it. I'm like, sweet. And I go and try it, and and that might even be my next path. So I, I never... try to be open minded about stuff, but yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, sure. and I think I'm I'm definitely more gullible than than you are, and uh, I'm more on board. So if someone says, you know, I got this new training method or this new diet method, I'm like, sweet, I'm trying it. Like when keto first came out, I came home, told my wife, I'm like, I'm gonna be keto, <laughs> and she explained to me why I don't need to, and, and like she had a better knowledge of it than than I did, and I'm like, oh, okay. But as soon as I hear something, I think it's the best idea ever. <laughs> and then I got to work through whether it actually is or not. And uh, I think that's why uh, this, you know, I can sit and talk to you for what are we in now? Two hours? Yeah, pretty close. Really close way. to two hours and uh, not run out of something to say or do because we just have that different perspective. It's a really interesting thing you brought up. It's just got me thinking about, and I think it's a great thing about podcasts like this is it makes you think about why you do the things you do. Yeah. And it just occurred to me that I, one of the big reasons I act the way that I do is because I will fight you on the things that I have passion about yeah. and I will cause you to fight me when there is no fight about things I have passion on. Yeah. But I don't like to lose. I don't right. like to lose and I don't like to look stupid. Yeah. So yeah, I choose things based on whether I can defend them because that's what I love doing is causing conflict and having to defend my position on things. Yeah. I enjoy doing that, yeah. but I'm not going to lose. Right. So I'm not going to choose things that I don't have a reason or an ability to fight for why it's justified doing. Yeah, I get that. So you're just, there's... Like, I'm not going to go play golf because when you say golf is stupid, I'm going to go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. You're I, not going to die on the hill that's not worth dying for. Absolutely, yeah. Right. I, I want a fight that's worth fighting. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very cool. I think, uh, like we said, we're almost two hours in. We talked about goals. We talked about... We're uh, the only ones listening at this point. <laughs> True enough. We, uh, I think we've hit the end of the podcast. So uh, our goals for the next uh, 30 days about, thereabouts, is uh, website up and running, intro 
outro. We got to publish uh, this, even if we're publishing with like cat meows and there you go. Facebook. And, <laughs> and we got, this is number four or number five? Number I four. I don't know. I, I think it's number yeah. four in the can. So uh, we just got to suck it up, be brave. I, I, I don't think it's going to get any better than this. I'm really sorry to everyone that has to listen to it, but I think we've, I think we've figured it out. You know what's going to get better is when the social media is up and people can give us some cr- constructive criticism and we start getting some other guests on here. And I'm going to try and not burp into the microphone. I'll try so hard. It's learning. Uh, this is a whole new thing for me to, to speak into a mic and to have headphones on and to think yeah. about uh, visual. No one's got any visual on this, so we have to do more descriptions. And I'm glad they don't have visuals on this, to be honest. We uh, should, though. What, what are we going to do, though? I don't want to look at us. Well, maybe someone else would. What if they're you're a single dad? Maybe there's some hot girl when, hey, that Japanese guy is super hot. I think looking at me would probably be the worst possible thing <laughs> if that's the case. Uh, well, as I said, I'm gullible and I'm on board, so I couldn't agree more. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, uh, Chad and Mark, I want to know, being published within the next 30 days, I want to know. I want to know. And we're out. <laughs>